When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good afternoon, everybody. And since we're talking about smart, let's have some quotes from Aristotle. Quality is not an act. It's a habit. Love is composed of a single soul inhabiting two bodies. There is no great genius without some touch of madness. I can think of two or three people (laughs) I know of right at the moment. Whoever is delighted in solitude is either a wild beast or a god. You'll never do anything in this world without courage. Ain't that the truth? Be a free thinker and don't accept anything you hear as truth. Be critical and evaluate what you believe. That's uh, Aristotle, folks. You know, anyway, um, if you'd like to get any of the information that we talk about on this show, I think it's important that you go to WHK1420, go to local podcast down to the Smart Investor Show, click right over to my webpage, and there... um, you know, it's a sorry-looking picture of me, but it uh, that there is Insight, banner called Insight, and it has all sorts of good information on it. And we, I, I change it fairly regularly. Okay, so uh, keep that in mind. Also, uh, underneath Bulletin Board, there is a newsletter and Rob Schleimer's roadmap. And Rob, Rob is one of the best technicians I know about. Matter of fact, I listen to two or three of the best on the planet, and then I do my own work. Uh, so. I think uh, technical analysis with fundamental analysis is, is, you know, that's where demand and supply meet good information. And that's a really powerful, powerful story, by the way. Um, I would also suggest for you people, you know, I've talked to a couple guys with small companies. Now, one we couldn't help, but the other two we could. And they're really nice people, by the way. I, 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 you know, you, you always think of the small businessmen as a tough, you know, breed, and they are. Uh, but there are some people out there that might be able to help you put away more money pre-tax. That's how you make a lot of money, folks, over a period of time. If the government doesn't get their hands on it, okay. So if you'd like more information on that, uh, please give us a call. I actually uh, my. You know, I told you I had knee replacement surgery, and I'm actually driving again, although I think I failed the test Friday, <laughs> uh, the knee test Friday, so I might have another procedure, but who knows. Anyway, uh, look, before I get into Lori Calvacina, you know, Lori's our head strategist. She's on TV all the time, and she's she's a brilliant woman. Um, I've always said on this show, this is kind of Tim talking out loud now, okay, that the most bullish thing something can do is go up. (laughs) All right. Now, I've been listening to CNBC and Fox. And 65% of the people on there are still bearish or cautious. Yet the stock 600, the ASX, which is Australia, Japan, Japan hit a new high after 34 years. I'm getting much more bullish than that, I don't think. And the sense of uh, sense six, which is India, uh, broke out. They all broke out. 
those are going up. The Dow Jones went up. Now, the only problem I'm having is the transports haven't verified the Dow signal. Okay, so what you want, you know, a Dow buy signal is when the Dow Jones hits a new high, the transports hit a new high, and the utilities hit a new high. And the utilities and the transports are lagging a little bit here. Uh, so we'd like to see them also uh, pick up. But, you know, crude oil, I mean, looks like it, it it had a great day Friday. So I don't know. There's a lot of stuff going on. Uh, you know, I, I mean, even some of the gold stocks broke out. <laughs> They've been looking terrible. So I, I just suggest that, you know, um, the most bullish thing something can do if you're long it is go up. So we have you know, the only index that I can see that didn't break out was the small cap index. And it's in a base. It's not to a new high, but it looks like it, it's trying to break out. So, you know, you have the Dow, the QQQs, you've got the NASDAQ composite, the S&P 500, the S&P 500 equal weight. All right. So a lot of good stuff happening out there. And so try not to be too bearish. All right. Now, I also think, you know, Mar- was it March 12th or March 16th? I can't remember the date. The CPI data comes back, and that might be the hiccup. Okay, that might be the pullback uh, because if it's if it's too strong, you know, you got to be careful there. Okay, so well, look, I, I think if you look at some things, uh, there's three big things you know we talked about, and uh, I, I think you know you got to keep these in mind. Uh, first, the reporting season stats are similar to what we expected. Okay. Second, in our view, the S&P 500 earnings call for the tones. They're very mixed on the macro. I mean, some guys are pounding the table. The guys are getting whacked. And uh, especially because, you know, China is still negative. And uh, although, you know, the charts are starting to look interesting there. And third, uh, the UK meetings last week, uh, you know, we saw the dominance of the top seven diminishing a little bit. Okay, uh, it's fading a little bit, so that's something to keep in the back of the head. Uh, you know, you, you should always, you know, if you're running your own portfolio. If I'm not running it for you, you should all be, you should putting this thing away. Okay, putting this stuff away. Has been the case throughout most of the reporting season. The percent of 500 S and P 500 companies beating consensus is still tracking a little lower than last year. The earnings per share beats are tracking lower for the Russell 2000. So you beat the estimate and you go down. That's kind of weird. Uh, within the Russell 1000, which is the value group, the companies posting earnings beats are outperforming the broader market. So that's real interesting, too. Small cap stocks, uh, stocks posting earnings beats have slightly underperformed. Now, you know, I'm going to talk about small caps right after this, so let's keep that in mind. If you look at 2023, the uh, the S&P 500 earnings per share uh, is now tracking up about uh, to 224. If you add them all up, uh, that's up slightly from two, you know 2022. And meanwhile, 2024 forecast is is tracking at 243. So it's still a nice little increase there. Uh, and most sectors contributing to the upside revision forecast of the growth rate were in consumer discretionary and industrials and the top seven stocks index, you know, the magnificent seven. And, and it's interesting, you know, so it's, it's the same groups each time. Um, and we've been highlighting 
you know, a wide range of descriptions of the macro backdrop. And that's, this is the hard part because interest rates have been up for a long, long time. And, you know, what bugs me, and, and I, I guess this is Tim speaking out loud again, um, why is Bitcoin going up? Okay, now I don't know anything about Bitcoin. I can't figure out how to value it or anything like that. But I can just tell you, it goes up with liquidity. So if liquidity is that bad, why is it going up? You know, and China remains a focus uh, in discussion of non-U.S. markets, and the tone generally remain remains quite negative. So that's another thing. Now, you know, look, sometimes you got to think different. You know, if it's so negative in China, maybe it's a positive. You know. You know, somewhere around there, they're going to turn it. Uh, you know, the Middle East becomes a concern. Uh, you know, there's lots of going on there, obviously. And people are still talking about high cost and, and pricing and stuff like that. So that, that's all that's all stuff um, that you have to keep in the back of your mind, okay? And I think the earnings dominance of the top seven names in the S&P 500 may be fading a little bit. Uh, now, the one thing I am a little bit negative on is if we look at the net bullishness, you know, the American Association of Individual Investors, there's too many bulls, not enough bears. You know, I, I pound the table on this show when the bears were out in force. Back last fall, you know, we talked about Rob Schleimer's, uh, you know, quadrant balance indicator oscill uh, oscillator. I'm not, that's not an indicator, oscillator. And it was very oversold and the bears were out, you know, hunting. Okay. And, you know, it's funny. A lot of my clients didn't, didn't appreciate that. <laughs> uh, anyway, look, small caps are starting to go. And people ask all the time, you know, I, I had like eight phone calls last week of people that listen to my show. And I, I guess we hit a record last, last week of number of calls. So obviously more people are listening. But he said, why do you keep talking about the same things every week? Because they're working, folks, and we're early, you know? We're talking about the biotechs, the, the 10, you know, things. And we're going to talk about that again today, all right? Biotechs have been, I mean, look, Viking went straight up last week. Jamex went up straight. I'm not suggesting buying these things, okay? But there are stocks going straight up in the biotech field. Now, last summer, you know, we talked about the data center. And boy, you should go back and look. If you got that report, and I sent out quite a few of them, and it, you should see where those prices were and where they are now. Okay? No comment. Uh, you know, I bought the, the one that he liked the best, and I I have a couple others that, I, that I've owned, and I bought some more of, but... What we're trying to do is give you that information ahead of time, folks, okay? So, by the way, I don't think that data center liquid cooling uh, scenario is over. I think it's just begun, okay? And if, you know, we get a sell-off, it's a place to go, okay? So keep that in mind. Now, look, one of the things I talked about was the disruptive forces in healthcare, and I'm seeing a lot more of these stocks do better. and. Uh, you know, look, I think technology, alternative care sources, and payment reform are the key to fixing health care. And look, uh, the cost of health care is moving at an unsustainable rate. 
can't can't continue that way. And and a lot of it remains, you know, because of whatever. Okay, but look, I think, you know, if you look at AI, humanity's going to benefit. You know, you'll be able to get free doctors, you know, probably free tutors, free education, more media and entertainment, better, better advisors in, in healthcare, etc. So, I think you know this technology that we talked about and these companies that we've we've put together in this space are getting interesting. All right, so that I think they're going to you know the reimbursement models will play a really critical role in driving the much needed optimization in this field. Our guiding principles are anything that can be digitalized, automated, or delivered at home eventually will be. And where we where we are now, nearly all the healthcare data has been digitalized. Okay, I had I had an operation last uh, about this time last year, and it was amazing. It was all on Google. <laughs> you can watch the operation on Google. You know my operation on Google. I think uh, you know so uh, it's all there. Okay, the, the 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 doctor at that point he went to Google to show us what he was going to do. Okay, so it's there, and it's even more concentrated now. I mean, you, you wouldn't believe how many uh, how much input is going into the computer, and so it's all there. It'll be um, what they call a retailization for healthcare. They're going they're going to take healthcare out of the doctor's office and into the into the uh, the house, okay? So you'll be able to, you know, they'll be able to, hey, you know what, this, I cut the hair, you know, okay, you need stitches, go, okay? So, um, look, I think you want to start to think about getting exposure to this digital health space now, all right? I, I don't, I think, you know, we, we put it in our 2024 outlook piece, which I offered in January, and I think it's very, very important that, you know, I think you're going to start to see accelerating revenue growth as most of these companies will be lapping easier 23 comparisons. I think uh, it'll be even faster EBITDA growth. That's earnings before interest, taxes, and amortization, uh, uh, depreciation and amortization, I'm sorry. And that'll get real interesting going forward. And then I think there's going to be some M&A and consolidation here. So, Keep that in mind. Innovation continues to accelerate, and I think these valuations are still near multi-year lows in this group. So, you know, we're, we've only just begun, as the carpenters once said. So, look, we told you about data centers cooling before probably you ever heard of it. You know, we talked on this show about the cloud probably before you ever heard of it because I had guys that were from that worked for IBM and and other technology companies calling me and saying, what's this cloud business? The cloud's every day now, okay? So I think we're the head of the group now. So keep that, you know, in the back of your mind. I, uh, you know, we're trying to give you information ahead of time. And if, if you're not listening to this stuff or you're not reading about it, you're in trouble. You're behind, you know? Um, the other thing I'm noticing, by the way, is a lot of the ETFs, you know, for example, communication services ETFs, Verizon and, and AT&T can't be found there anymore. That's one of the reasons that the dividend stocks are underperforming because the ETFs are, you know, stuffing themselves through a faster growing stuff. Okay. Keep that in mind. I mean, if you look at Meta's chart, <laughs> straight up, 
All right. So uh, one of the areas I've had a lot of questions on are about, you know, solar and, 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 and hydrogen and stuff like that. And look, uh, we don't follow the actual solar stocks. We follow the solar equipment companies and we just initiated coverage on them. And I, I, look, I think you got to look for green shoots here. Why did they go down? Because they need money. Like biotechnology got killed the last couple of years because they need money. The Federal Reserve took the money away. All right. So when the money goes away, <laughs> these things get hit. And by the way, the traders know. Okay. So they're not going to sit up there and hold the bid. You know, that's one of the problems now is the, the markets become very efficient because the trading desks aren't going to hold a bid for a penny. You know, they're going to sell it to somebody else. Okay. So keep that in mind. Let's take a break. Uh, this is Smart Investor Show. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. It's the time of the season when we love runs high. This is Dennis Prager, and now a truly exciting new benefit. My monthly online video get-together for PragerTopia Plus members only. For an hour each month, get an exclusive chance to ask me anything. I'll be answering your questions. I've never done this. Submit your questions for me at PragerTopia.com. This is our chance to connect like never before. Go to PragerTopia.com or click the banner at DennisPrager.com. More than 80 million Americans count on AM radio stations like this one for news, important weather updates, and the opportunity to discuss and debate important issues facing our country. But some people want to remove AM radio from new cars being manufactured, and we can't let that happen. The Senate Commerce Committee has approved the AM radio for every vehicle, Senate Bill 1669, and moved it on for a vote in the full Senate. It also faces action in the U.S. House. Your U.S. Senator and your representative in Congress are in your home state during the annual congressional recess this August. When you see your senator or congressman visiting your community, please tell them you want their support to keep AM radio strong, vibrant, and available to you in your car. This is your opportunity to stand up and be heard, or just text AM to 52886. That's AM to 52886 to tell Congress to support AM radio. At RBC Wealth Management, we are proud of our reputation for putting clients' interests first. Our steadfast commitment to helping clients achieve their financial goals includes giving back to the communities we serve. Through supporting youth education, human services, and the arts, we hope to make tomorrow better for everyone. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC. Okay, so we're back, folks. And I, you know, if I may, I just want to uh, talk a little bit more about um, this uh, solar situation. I, look, I think solar, you know, especially if they get it to be more efficient. You know, uh, right now it's it's not as efficient as it should be, but if they get it one for one someday, you know, we won't have an energy problem at all. We don't really have an energy problem right now, anyway. But, um, but the demand environment's starting to improve here, and the solar industry should continue to benefit from a positive rate of change. 
Uh, at least we think so. And we see long-term support from public policy, um, emissions regulation, and declining costs, which are you know, coming down fairly quickly. But residential utility scale solar are facing some headwinds right now. Uh, there's a metering po- policy. There's higher interest rates, unfavorable changes, uh, you know, in in some of the uh, incentives. So I, I think there's, you know, there's a negative connotation. But somewhere around here, and, and I'm not saying you jump all in or anything like that, but you start to pay attention. And I would stay with the guys who are manufacturing the product okay and i have a, i've got a great report on that and we'll just leave it at that now look we've been talking about shipping and um, i don't know if you saw it but they in the red sea they just blew up another ship um you know look i think there's a lot of danger you know the suez canal has been uh, blocked a couple times and there's a huge drought down in the panama panama canal so um you know, two of the biggest shipping, you know, cut-throughs uh, for continents are are having problems. And the question is, when does that start to hit the inflation? Okay, now I'm sure they'll figure out a way to to uh, work around that, but we'll we'll take it from there. Okay, so um, you know, the usual. Uh, term in my business is the wall of worry. And, you know, markets are currently inclined to embrace a risk on basis, uh, short term, and reassuring by ongoing U.S. economic strength and improving corporate fundamentals. Okay. And they can lend support to some risk bearing assets. These valuations may already reflect a, a high degree of optimism in the market. And global growth has picked up some momentum to start the the new year. Um, I mean, I was looking at the purchasing manager index that JP Morgan puts out, and it's a survey based indicator that sheds light on business. And it it's up to fifty one. Uh, I mean, it came in at fifty one point eight, up from fifty one. Um, so there's been persistent strength in the labor market, and that's helped position the U.S. economy as a firmer based relative to its peers. Although some of our peers are starting to break out too, so uh, I, I think this is going to get interesting going forward. Um, and, and we did notice that the, the city, the Citigroup Economic Surprise Index, has popped for the U.S. It, the, the global index is starting to turn up. We'll see if it if it pops like the U.S. index. Uh, but you know that that may be that the rate cuts got to wait. Uh, so all those people, you know, who have bought 5% bonds, you know, look, I think you got to understand something that in retirement, your biggest problem is inflation. Okay. So bonds are a deflationary asset. Stocks and other things are a inflationary asset. Okay. So, you know, I, I talked to a gentleman last week, and he said, "Well, I just put eighty percent of my money into into bonds." I said, "The market just broke out to a new high." You know, that's what you're. That's where you're going to find you keep up with inflation. Uh, 
you know, bonds may work for a while, but after a while, they're not going to, you know, you're not going to keep up with inflation. Uh, especially, I mean, right now, inflation is still three point what four percent, five percent. And if you're getting five percent, once they take taxes out, what are you making? And somebody said, "Well, we're not losing any money." Well, you know, if you would have held through the, the I, I realized that 2022 was a tough time, and but if you would have held through it, 2023 was a good year. Okay, it was a great year. 2024 is turning out to be a pretty good year so far too. So. The rate cuts may have to wait, and I think there'll be a, a new evolving investment landscape, and, and it's, it's going to be tough because it's, it's, you know, it's going to be full of resilience and challenges, but according to the current Bloomberg consensus expectations, 2024 could be a better year than 2023. 2023 was a pretty good year, and I've been saying for some time, you know, we held the uptrend line, and that's important. So we'll just keep that keep that in the back of your mind, okay? So um, people have asked me uh, quite a few questions here, and I, uh, I'm getting them. They're, they're shooting them over the internet. <laughs> uh, let me see if I can answer all these at the same time. Well, you know what? I'm not going to. Uh, you know, call me, all right? Um, or I'll call you, whatever. Uh, call me with a telephone number. But look. Biotech's starting to pop, and that's why we've talked about these 10 biotech themes we've talked about time and time again. You know, mood's up, uh, more upbeat. Uh, there seems to be some continuing a, a momentum. There's all sorts of M&A happening. There's all sorts of good news happening. This GLP-1 product, which is the weight loss product, has is, is become – there's more to it than just weight loss. They found the molecule is good for things like NASH. If you don't know what NASH is, you should. That could be another big area. Uh, but look, there's a lot of big companies that have to fill their pipeline, all right? And, you know, that's interesting. And there's plenty of space to pivot in immunology. I can never get that. I apologize. And small caps are pairing back. And, you know, it's hard to build the next Genentech, okay? So it, it's going to get interesting for some of the big names later. But, you know, and I think this... Uh, uh, Inflation Reduction Act, which is kind of a joke, I think, but uh, impacting small molecule development is important. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of M&A in oncology. Uh, and, and I'm, you know, this is from Brian, who's, I think, one of the better analysts out there. And the FDA flexibility is providing tailwinds for regulatory discussions. Large caps are gearing up for another earnings growth period. But, you know, and there's some there's some names out there that that could be big. And there's no retraction from the earlier price increases. A bunch of companies increased, you know, their product eight, nine percent, and nothing's happened. Okay. There hasn't been anything. So I think there's many clinical catalysts that are going to happen this year and next. And that's and you're starting to see it when that when the good news hits, you gotta understand there's a lot of people short these stocks. I mean I've seen a short report on these, and, and some of the, you know, some cases it's 25, 30% of the float. You know, you think the longs are going to let them back in? <laughs> Good luck. And I just think, you know, look, uh, GLP 1s, it continues to have a significant impact on a lot of companies' pipeline developments and, their, and you know, basically the overall sector uh, sentiment. So, 
there's there's a lot of programs out there for obesity drugs, for NASH, for a whole bunch of stuff using these things. So, um, you know, uh, and, and we, by the way, in this report that I've been talking about for four weeks, there were two or three examples of stocks that went vertical. Okay. Uh, because of GLP dash ones. And you could have got the report. So I'll just leave it at that. Now, the other thing we got to talk about uh, is dividend growth investing. And what I'm, what I'm seeing, you know, dividend stocks are cheap. They're really cheap. And you can't fake a dividend. That's the good news. And there's been periods of times where they've underperformed only to outperform afterwards. And, you know, they, they, the valuations really look compelling versus the broader market. And, uh, and everybody says, well, you know, fixed income looks better for now. But remember, fixed income will stay at 5.5%. I can tell you that if you bought AbbVie when they split off from Abbott, your dividend is probably at 6.5 range and going up. <laughs> All right? And I'm not suggesting that you buy AbbVie. I'm just suggesting that, you know, the yields go up. Okay? So that's why you want to look at dividend growth. And uh, I look, I look at the standard deviation the relative P.E. ratio of the dividend aristocrats versus the S&P 500. And we're almost two standard deviations below normal. Now, the last time that happened was 2021, and we went to average. And it came down uh, uh, during uh, the Obama presidency because there was no growth. People were just buying dividends. <laughs> so uh, it, it gets real interesting uh, when you have these things uh, occur like this because People don't understand. You got to buy low. You got to anticipate things. You know, Japan's breaking out to a new high. Warren Buffett bought it two years ago. It was in the paper. Okay, so intuitive thinking. You know, that's why we talked about data centers before they got hot. Okay, now we're talking about biotech, etc. So now let's take a break. Okay, uh, and by the way, the, the returns by dividend policy are still 40% of the S&P 500 over the last 60 years. So keep that in mind. Let's take a break. This is Smart Investor Show. Stay tuned. Well, if I could walk on water And if I could find some way to prove If I could walk on water Would you believe in me? My love is so true Social Security card? In most states, you can request one online with a My Social Security account. A My Social Security account gives you secure access to your personal earnings history and benefit status. You can also get a proof of income letter, estimate and apply for benefits, and more. Save time. Go online. Open a My Social Security account at ssa.gov slash my account. Social Security. Securing today and tomorrow. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. An iconic symphony of the Romantic era. The Cleveland Orchestra performs Brahms' Fourth Symphony, a celebrated work of lyrical beauty and enthralling drama. Experience the extraordinary as the Cleveland Orchestra plays Brahms like no one else. Brahms' Fourth Symphony, March 7th through the 9th at Severance. Tickets at clevelandorchestra.com. Take it from Charlie Kirk. As I read this New York Times article, so I read the New York Times so you don't have to. Salem Media Group reaches more people than they realize. This is my favorite line of the whole thing. 
Their hosts are big names, and they have huge reach, which makes them one of the most powerful forces in conservative media. Tap into our big names to help grow your business. Call Tim Vaughn at 216-525-1818. 216-525-1818. Thank you for finally noticing. When rolling over your 401k, it's easy to get lost. Look to the experienced, knowledgeable financial advisors from RBC Wealth Management to guide you through the whole 401k rollover process. It's all part of designing a plan that's tailored to your unique investment needs. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC. Member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. Back, folks. That's an interesting song. I haven't heard that one yet. But anyway, um, you know, I, I talked about AI on the show, and and I, I just want to quote a couple guys. And I'm not going to use the name because, you know, I, I just tell you these are smart guys. AI can benefit humanity in the form of free doctors, free tutors, free education, more media and entertainment, better advisors and lawyers, and more robotics, better digital health, better material designs. Much better resource discovery, lithium, cobalt, nickel, the hard atom stuff that the tech optimists usually don't talk about. Believe me, this guy is smart. <laughs> and then, this is from NVIDIA's conference call, accelerated computing and generative AI have hit the tipping point. Demand is surging worldwide across companies, industries, and nations. You know, I'm telling you, uh, you know, Ernest Hemingway put it very, very bluntly. Gradually, then suddenly, boom, it hit. Now, we've been talking about AI since a year ago, May, I think it was. And look, I think people are starting to get into that mode where it's FOMO, fear of missing out. Uh, And look, AI is artificial intelligence with human-like intelligence and capabilities. Specifically, it refers to technology that can mimic cognitive functions associated with human intelligence, such as being able to see, understand, respond or to a spoken or written language, okay? And it, it gets more detailed than that, but look, there's, I mean, some of these stocks are straight up, so I, I can't tell you to, to buy them, but I think if they go, you know, usually what goes straight up comes down fairly quickly, and if they do, you know, this is, you know, where the internet was in, in 2000, it went straight up for a while, then it got crushed. And then the guys that won were the guys that were the equipment manufacturers. Let's keep that in mind, okay? Um, anyway, I've had several questions about the chip industry, and I, I sold a few, you know, just simply because I was, I mean, some of these things were up 100, 200% uh, from just six months ago, less than six months ago. Um, just a little bit, not a lot. Uh, you know, just because uh, it gets a little bit scary, but they're, they're still continuing to go up. And uh, I just think you got to understand, look, it's it's a global industry, okay? Uh, there are parts of the supply chain are dominated by a small amount of firm, firms, okay? So you've got to keep that in mind. And I think you've got to understand that there's several different types of chips, there's memory. Uh, it's, it, their functions are storing data. DRAM chips provide temporary data storage. And NAND chips are used for long-term data storage. Then there's logic, which is processing, 
processing the data, and leading-edge chips are used in smartphones, personal computers, data centers, and artificial intelligence. And then there's what they call discrete analog optoelectronic and sensors. This is for audio and video signal processing, power regulation, data conversion. And I, I could talk about who, who does this, but that's, that's for me to know and for you guys to find out. But I think what's it's important, uh, a lot of this capacity is overseas, okay? So what we're trying to do as a government is, is and maybe, you know, I'm not a big fan of government spending, but uh, they're pulling some of that back. But the key is, in my humble opinion, is if you don't know which chips are which, and by the way, I think a lot of those specialized chips are going to become everyday chips pretty soon here. You'll see companies, the companies that just make the the, the chips, you know, the uh, we'll, we'll call it the the uh, high volume chips. All right, will start to come into this industry, and and that's when things will slow down. But you've got to keep that in mind because that's very very important because then they'll be the stocks that run okay so in, in the chip business it's always the specialized chips and then they sell their you know they, they actually manufacture the product somewhere else and then all the chips participate they are kind of overbought so you want to be wary of them i think at this point now the other thing i thought was kind of interesting is that we just put up a portfolio called the uh, the global carbon innovators portfolio and this is a it, what it's designed for is investors pursuing long-term capital appreciation exposure to concentrated portfolio of thematic global stocks. That are, and the theme is climate change. And, you know, some people don't believe there is climate change. I'm not sure. I'm looking out. It's March, and it's 51 degrees out. That's Usually there's a cold, brisk wind coming down the, the street at this time. So, uh, you know. There, there's a lot of money moving into this, all right? So keep it in the back of your head. And I think the what they call climate transition risk, or CTR, is a measure of a company's ability and willingness to adapt to changing policy. That's legal, that's regulatory regimes, technology changes, consumer preferences, and supply change. So, and by the way, there's a myriad of regulation risk, or reputational risk, we'll call it, uh, so there's a lot of stuff going on, and this is a very interesting uh, piece, and I, um, I kind of highly recommend it. Uh, there's there's some, you know, I was surprised, uh, you know, the technology, the market, the reputational stuff. It, it's all important to a lot of these companies, and uh, you know, let, let's put it this way: it's a it's an interesting list of uh, companies, and uh, and I, you know, some of it's foreign. And look, nobody's talking about foreign stocks right now. Japan hit a new high. India hit a new high. Australia hit a new high, okay? And I'm not talking about any particular company here. I'm talking about indexes. Indexes that hit a new high. The Dow Jones hit a new high. The Dow, I mean, the S&P hit a new high. The NASDAQ Composite hit a new high. The NASDAQ 100 hit a new high. You know, so don't be bearish right at the moment. Okay, wait for your opportunity. But this list has companies all over the world. And I think it's time to start to pay attention to companies all over the world. I mean, Japan on a pullback might be a real interesting play. Okay, so 
keep it in the back of your head. And I think it's important that, you know, uh, you, <laughs> you continue to, well, let's just put it this way. I just think that there's, there's more to this than, than people are, are admitting to. And I think it's important that you keep an open mind. Okay. Uh, I've got, you know, the, Marshfield bought a company that everybody says is so woke, you know, and then uh, a lot of my clients were up in arms. It's now at 30 bucks, 25%. I'm not hearing from them anymore. Okay. When it all comes down to it, money is green and it goes and we go up. So, uh, look, um, the world is worried about climate change. And the reason is, is because look, you know, look what, you know, California, they said, 8,000 tons of, of water came from the skies. 8,000 tons. That's a lot of water, folks. Okay? Or is it 8 million tons? I'm sorry, it was 8 million tons. And so that's a lot of water. Okay? So there, there climate shift, there's change. Now, is that caused by what we're doing? I have no clue. The point is, other people think that way. And as they do, you've got to keep up with it. Okay? So... Uh, just remember that and keep, keep in the back of your head. Um, anyway, there's a couple other things I think, which are very, very interesting, uh, in this report. And, and what's real interesting is some of the names and some of the names I think are, what's important here is they're names that you wouldn't think would be on a carbon report. <laughs> I mean, it's fairly interesting, you know, uh, and, Look, I, I suggest with all of our reports, I, I try to buy things when the chart looks good. So when you get those reports, if you're not doing the chart work, you should. So just keep that in the back of your head. But, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's interesting. Uh, you know what I mean? It's, it's one of those things where, um, you know, people, are, people ask uh, why. Why would you get into that? Well, I can tell you, there's plenty of stuff going on out there, and you've got to keep your open mind. So, anyway, look, a large, I look at the bulk of the high quality equities, uh, and the earnings reports are behind this, and, you know, they'll probably focus on the macro again going forward. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, the personal consumption that came out last week um, report was important. Next Friday, we have the employment report on the 8th, and then the inflation report's on the 12th. I said the 16th, so I apologize. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. And I, I think people are watching the 10-year Treasury yield, and that's what they do. Uh, so the, the daily momentum is getting interesting there, uh, fairly overbought. But the S&P 500 momentum is fairly overbought. And the quadrant balance indicator, you know, we've talked about, well, you know, Back in November, that was a great call by Mr. Schleimer. He, he said, hey, you know, one of the lowest he's seen, and usually it turns up from there, and he was right. And and now the weekly momentum is a little bit overbought, and uh, so we have should go through a period of somewhat some type of consolidation. It may be some of the leaders pause, and some of the under underling stocks go. Remember, the transports are not at a new high. Utilities are not a new high. So in order to have what they call a Dow theory buy signal, you have to have all three of those going together. The Dow Jones, which hit a new high, then the transports, and then the utilities. 
Utilities go up when interest rates go down. Hmm. Hmm. And the transports go up when the economy's starting to cook. All right. So keep that all in mind. And, uh, you know, look, I, I look and I see the industrial sector and the financials are starting, you know, they're, they're, they're either breaking out or they're, you know, there's a problem and the industrials look good. Uh, you know, and, and like I said, biotechnology, uh, you know, there's a couple of the indexes there that broke out nicely. So keep that in the back of your mind. And I think it's important. Uh, most people are not paying attention to that and they should. Okay. So keep it in the back of your mind. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on underneath the surface. So if we if we see the the, the Dow or the uh, you know the S and P 500 starts to pull back, you got to look below the surface, uh, you know, and and watch things, see what happens. In the meantime, I would highly suggest a wealth management questionnaire. You know, if you don't have a plan, you don't have a chance. It's Wall Street Journal said it, too. I mean, Barron said it two weeks ago. So that's not Tim. They, they said people who have a financial advisor and a wealth management program do much better than those who don't. And uh, I'll just leave it at that. Uh, but I think we'll take one more break and then we'll come back and talk, take a look at the long term. How about that? Stay tuned. We'll be right back. be nice to keep income rolling in even long after you retire at rbc wealth management we can help you invest for the future that you want and create a personalized plan to help you create the steadfast flow of income you'll need throughout your retirement call tim hayes at 216-774-8906 rbc wealth management a division of rbc capital markets llc member nyse fenra sipc the straight talk and hard work and do it right plumbers at Wyatt Works will unclog your drain for only $93 or it's free. What's the catch? There's never a catch with Wyatt Works. I'd rather starve than do business that way. We really will break up your clog and get your water flowing again for $93. Plus, we'll send a camera down the line so you can see exactly what you're dealing Most with. Most of the time, clog busting's all you need. Wallakadoodle. Back to your regularly scheduled life with a 12-month no-backup guarantee. If your drain line needs more, we'll explain all the options, including flexible payments and guaranteed estimates. And on the off chance clog busting can't get your drain flowing, our service call is free. You'll still get upfront pricing on solutions to your problem, but with no initial service fee. That's on us. Either we deliver on our promised clog busting, or it's free. So don't put up with half solutions or slow or clogged drains. Call Works. And consider it done. License number 30185. When it comes to managing your retirement, it's easy to get lost. Look to RBC Wealth Management to guide you. Our experienced, knowledgeable financial advisors will build your investment strategy by designing a plan that's tailored to your unique financial needs. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC. Member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. Visit rbcwealthmanagement.com. Okay, 
If you just turned in, this is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. And uh, I, I also want to mention that we have Marshfield coming to town. Uh, now, it takes a pretty big investment of, of $250,000 to participate with Marshfield. Uh, and I'm going to leave, I'm going to have the right of refusal because I want my clients and we have several other, uh, there's a couple other people within my firm that use them quite regularly. Um, they're very, very good. Uh, in the long run, they're they're beating the market pretty nicely. So, uh, if you want to participate, uh, I would let me know ahead of time. But uh, I would also suggest that uh, uh, I do have the right roof of refusal on this one. So just keep that in mind. All right. Anyway, um, so the other thing I think is important is. You know, you want to have a wealth plan, okay? Uh, wealth plan, all we're doing is we're putting this all down. Now, if you become a, a, a client of ours, we can do what ifs. You know, what if you do this? What if you do this? I had a couple of people that did them that said, well, I'm doing great. And they went off on their own and that that's fine. Um, maybe not, though, because in the next two years, they probably got beat up pretty bad. Um, <laughs> anyway. The second thing you should be looking at is a family inventory workbook. Really, I mean, don't make your kids go through all that rigmarole. Put it all down on paper. Your whole financial situation down on paper. Give one to the kids. Keep keep one in your safety deposit box. I, you know, I always keep one, and I laminate it and, and put it away for my clients. And uh, so there's no problems, all right? And I think it, that's very, 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 very important. And uh, I'll leave it at that. now. Look, uh, I keep talking about these bull markets, and everybody says, "Well, we had a terrible bear market." Well, you know, in bull markets, you have bad, you have bear markets, and in bear markets, look, if you would have bought in two thousand three and sold in two thousand seven, you would have made a lot of money. If you you would have bought at the bottom in two thousand nine, sold in two thousand sixteen, when you know at the end of two thousand sixteen is really when this bull market started, the way we feel. But look, 1987 occurred in one of the greatest bull markets in history, okay? The Russian ruble crisis in 1998 smacked the market by 22% in a short, in like a month and a half, all right? So there are bear markets and bulls, and there are bulls and bears, okay? Simple as that. The difference is usually the bear markets last, you know, are shorter, this one lasts a little bit longer than normal, and the reason is is simply because of the fact that uh, you know interest rates were going up, and uh, the Fed kind of made a mistake. All right, but it is a 16 to 18 year cycle that occurs, and you know so if it started at the end of 2016, I mean you could go to 2034, and and that's a long time. <laughs> you can make a lot of money in that time. So the inflation picture for retirees is the big problem. And if inflation continues to continue, you know, I mean, we still have three and a half, four and a half percent inflation. You know, you have to make nine, 10% to stay ahead of it. Okay. So keep that in the back of your mind. Now, if the S&P 500 and our dividend growth stocks and some of our other stocks do better or do the same, let's say we do less than this. Uh, we don't do better. We do less. Than the last two major cycles, which which the S and P five hundred went up about twenty three hundred percent in those two big cycles. 
So let's say we just go 2,000. That's still 13,500 to 14,000 on the S&P 500. It's a long way from here, folks. There's a lot of money made. Okay, so don't get too bearish. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Uh, there's a lot of people that get bearish. And remember, we talked about the four-year cycle. Lori Calvacina said this in her piece this week. You know, it's a repetitive three- to four-year cycle that's driven by central bank liquidity and economic growth. The cycle started in 2024. Usually, there's a big move up and a move down. And we also had the presidential cycle. And there hasn't been too many down years uh, in the presidential cycle. Um, and, you know, so that's good. I mean, it, I, I think the average return is like 7.5% and the median is like 10 So presidential cycles, they tend to spend a lot more money. I mean, we've already spent like $2 trillion, I understand, from just January and February. The other thing that remains very positive is we, we look at something, you know, uh, four months over the 13-month moving average, and uh, it's still positive. So these are all technical stuff, but it, fundamentally it means the, the same thing. So, you know, I think it's, it's important. Now, you know, Rob Schleimer talks about a quadrant balance indicator being overbought, and I understand that all. And I think everybody's looking for a pause. What causes it? Maybe it's March 12th, the CPI data, okay? That's a fundamental scenario. If it's too hot, then we'll get a little bit of a pullback. I would think a pullback would be great at this point, okay? Because, look, I don't think we're going down much because it's a fear of missing out. FOMO, they call it. And you know how much money's on the sidelines, folks? There's $6 trillion in money markets. $6 trillion in money markets. That's a lot of cash. And you know what? There's more that went into bonds. I don't know how much went into short-term bonds, but it's all becoming due and we're hitting new highs. What do you think the people are thinking that, were, that have treasuries right now and they're getting 5% and the market's up 9 <laughs> And the market was up 26 last year. Okay, So keep that in the back of your head. There's a lot of money on the sidelines that could come our way. Now, in the meantime, what I would be doing is this. Uh, if I had a small business and I looked to put some more money away, call Tim. We'll get you set up with somebody. Uh, do a wealth plan. Look at a family inventory workbook. Don't make your kids work too hard. Also, ADRs, American Depository Sheets. These are foreign stocks that come to us, all right? We've also got some good new reports, and that is uh, you know, our, our carbon report. We have our dividend growth portfolio. I think that I think that those stocks are really cheap. The prime income list, uh, you know, that type of thing. Small caps. Everybody's talking about small caps now. We were talking about them last year. People say, hey, it didn't do very well. They were up 20% in November and December. <laughs> hey, there we go. In the meantime, if you'd like to have a conversation with me, have a sit down and uh, talk about your portfolio or your wealth plan, please give us a call. Uh, go to WHK1420, local podcast, down to Smart Investor Show, take you directly to my webpage. Look at the Insight column. There's lots of good information there. Also, uh, under bulletin board, Rob Schleimer's roadmap is there, too. And a, a nice little weekly newsletter gives, fills you in. In the meantime, have a great weekend. This is Smart Investor Show. My name is Tim Hayes. Remember, buy low, sell high.
Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.